Three Brothers, One Mike is a weekly podcast put together to help motivate and inspire our listeners both mentally and physically in the hopes of helping you be the best you. Hey everyone, welcome back to Two Brothers, One Mike. I'm Joe with my brother, Coach Tony. He's here. Tony. Hey Joe, what's going on in a T-bomb land? What is going on with all you guys today? I hope everybody is having a fantastic summer this far, or should I say thus far. Uh, Joe, what do you got? Uh, are we going to get right into this today or how we, what do you think? Yeah, I, I know you got a lot to say this time. I, what do I have? We'd be here. The whole show would be about me coming back after being gone for three weeks and everything that I'm doing to get readjusted, reacclimated back to the real life here. Yeah. Uh, reality you know. has reality has, is struck. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And so, you know, it's full, it's full yeah. throttle, but uh, yeah, let's, let's just jump right in. I know. Yeah, we uh, are. Let me just add real quick to the vacation thing. I, I also coming back uh, from vacation and um, a great feel good story for the future that we're going to, we're going to use in, in one of our upcoming episodes uh, that I experienced on vacation. I think that everybody needs to hear, um, and it's about the people that I met when I was on vacation and what I realized, uh, after being around these people for several days on vacation. So I think that's going to be great for an upcoming episode when it comes to our feel good stories. Um, uh, but as far as that goes, uh, you're right. It's, it's time to get into something here. It, it, not that long ago, uh, a show, uh, that we've done, which has been pretty successful. It's been our most successful one, right? Um, mm-hmm. is the, uh, one where you talked about anxiety and you kind of basically were very transparent. You put it all on the table. Uh, our sister also in a great interview, uh, spoke of her, uh, bought with it, uh, with her, her move out West, um, and moved to Minneapolis when she, uh, moved on her own, uh, at a very young age and how she dealt with anxiety and how she still deals with it. And so you guys were very transparent about that. Now it's my turn, right? Mm-hmm. And this show is something that I think a lot of people, you know, this is going to be about me and my journey. Uh, it's something that I think a lot of people need to understand because they don't understand this. Um, there's a misconception about me when it comes to when I started becoming so driven and so passionate about the things that I do. Uh, there's a reason why I am like that. And it did not start at age eight. So, you know, uh, I'm going to explain why I am who I am and what drives me today. And, uh, you know, the title of this show is everyone can now see, you know, can now see as they clicked on it is I quit. That's because that was my main theme growing up. Trust me, there is a reason I am hard on my young athletes, hard on my children, my two boys, and have a very low tolerance for excuses, as you saw in an episode just recently. And I won't, I won't lie. This will not be easy for me at all. Folks, I can tell you this. We, we write out our scripts, you know, for a week trying to figure out what approach we want to take and what we want to say. And when I, when I was writing the script and I was realizing all over again, where I dropped the ball for so many years at a young age, I had a very hard time going through the script without breaking down at times. And I think that's going to help me today keep my composure because it is something that still irritates me to this very day. Um, I thought, I think a lot of people listening are going to be shocked to a certain extent, people, people who know me well, because, you know, basically who I was growing up is far, far, far from who I am now. There will be no opening segment, as we said, talking about seventies and eighties, no worthless facts today. And although we have plenty in store when it comes to feel good stories, 
we're going to be skipping that and we're going to get right into this today. Understand this. This isn't just about me, as I said a little bit earlier, but how easy so many of us embrace the philosophy of quitting and coming to terms with why we do it, meaning this show is about you as well. Yeah, I'm all layers on this one. Um, You know, there's moments in my life where I sit here and think what things might have been had I stayed the course. And don't get me wrong, I'm happy with Mm -hmm. my current circumstances. I have, you know, really no regrets since all those decisions, good or bad, have led me to where I am today, who I am today. Um, But sure, I always see the need for improvement. But at the same time, I'm doing the best I can. However, there's those words again, right? What Mm -hmm. if? Yeah. Uh, the, the, they, they haunt me, you know, for a variety of reasons, but, but there it is again, what if, yeah. so before we really start into the conversation of quitting, uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor. And when we come back, we'll start talking about how easily we tend to toss around the words. I quit. Stay right there, folks. Welcome back everybody. Uh, too often, In the first 25 plus years of my life, I belong to a group called quitters. Yes, you know, maybe maybe in a different way, so to speak, as my parents didn't allow us to, quote unquote, quit anything we started. Well, then, what is he talking about, you may ask? First, when I tell you how my life went the first 25 plus years, I, I want you to equate that with what you have done or possibly Pat yourself on the back for not following that path. But check yourself as well as far as how well you have maintained that no-quit attitude throughout life. The more I explain, the more you're going to understand. You know, I I could think as far back as age six and seven, the two years I played T-ball. And again, at age eight and nine, when I played Little League. Baseball was my sport. I could feel it. I could sense a love for that game. I really could. It was like a chess match to me. Truly, if I worked at it, I could have been, I think I could have been good at it. I know I could have been, but I didn't. I didn't work at it. Instead, when we moved back to my hometown where I lived the first six plus years of my life, we moved back at age age nine. My father approached me and asked if I wanted to continue playing baseball like I did in the town where we lived in. I was getting reacquainted with the kids of my town where I first grew up, and my thinking went like this. What if I stink? What if I strike out? What if I drop a high fly in front of kids and I'm not familiar, you know, I'm not familiar with these kids, and I haven't seen them in almost three years now? That fear was so bad, I never played organized baseball again. I played football. I played football, yeah. As well, you know, for the neighboring town I lived in, I I did it for one year. One, I wanted to quit because I hated practice and wasn't motivated. I wasn't allowed to. When the season started, somehow I began to like it. We had a good team. Struthers hard hats. We had great coaches. One coach in particular, Chet Leone, was fantastic for me. He somehow motivated me, and I ended up starting a defensive back. It would be the only year I played organized football. Now, a lot of you who know me real well, whether you've known me all your life or whether you've just recently began to know me over the last couple of years, you're standing there in complete shock because for some reason you all think I played football my whole life. Organized football, that is. 
when we moved from the neighboring town back to my hometown, I never played again for the same exact reason I didn't play baseball, the fear of failure. I made excuses. I'm too skinny. The other kids are better. They will make fun of me because I moved back, and so they will pick on the new kid. When I look back now, I didn't quit in the middle of the season. Again, we weren't allowed to quit once we started. But we were asked the next year, do you want to play again? My answer was always no. It rings in my head, ladies and gentlemen, like an alarm clock till this day. As time went on, this habit moved into other aspects of life, not just athletics. If you ever saw the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, that was my town. That was our life. Well, you know, for the most part, that was our life. Some things are exaggerated in the movie, but that was us. Greek school? Greek school? I knew nothing about the language. For five straight years, I went to Greek school. Because of that today, I can read Greek. I can write Greek. I can understand the language somewhat in its simplest of conversations. Simplest of conversations. What others are saying and, you know, being able to respond to them at times, I'm able to do that, but I, I'm not able to really carry a conversation in Greek. With two years to go to finish all seven years of Greek school, my parents, as they always did every year, asked me the same question. Do you want to continue this year? I said no. I said no because the teacher changed. The teacher now was Father Pappas, our priest. He scared the living daylights out of me. He scared the living daylights out of everybody. He was strict. He was stern. He demanded 100% from you. He was no nonsense. And, and, he would become someone these days that made me realize as I got older, he did it all because he loved every single one of his children in our community. Tough love, we call it, right? In the years before his passing, I would enjoy conversations with him on a few occasions. Every now and then I would get an opportunity to see him, you know, at a wedding possibly. He truly is a part of who I am today. But with two years of Greek school left, I walked away. I quit. And I cannot get that back. Would I be able to speak even better now? I don't know. The fact of the matter is this. I will never know. This would carry on through my school years. From not making the 7th, 8th grade basketball team and deciding I'm not going out my 8th grade year. Uh, when I, It was my 7th grade year when I got cut. Because I wouldn't make it again is what I thought. Deciding not to try baseball again my freshman year because it was more fun to play doubleheaders at the park with friends without having to practice. I didn't want to practice. We played tackle football against neighboring towns, 11 on 11. I've broken my fingers and my nose on three separate occasions and never told my parents. Yes, I'm the knucklehead who would play contact sports with no pads. Okay, instead... Instead of with pads because I wouldn't have to practice to get better, nor get yelled at for not trying harder. I ran track late in my high school career, and I lettered. I would have never continued if it weren't for Coach Brian Daniloff pushing me. I could tell you that right now. I never reached my ability. I will never know if I could have been even better 
actually, I do know I could have been better. How much better will always come with two words that I never want young people to deal with today? And those two words that still haunt me are what if. It's that simple. It's a simple question. That phrase, like I said, rings in my head every time I stop for a minute and think about quitting anything. And I mean anything. I received a full ride ROTC scholarship my senior year of high school. A full ride. Four years. Don't pay a dime. I joined the ROTC program. I took the scholarship at Youngstown State University. The first two years, I despised it. I didn't mind the physical requirements, but I hated the courses. I hated all the courses I had to take on military history. I couldn't stand it. Are you ready? Are you ready for the other reason why? I was mad because I had to cut my hair. Now, I believe today karma has visited me when it comes to that stupid reason, as Joe tries not to laugh. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, it's, it's just it's, all I could think of was wow, you know, in my head when I think of that 20 year old. So after two years of my ROTC scholarship, Major Weeks came to me. He called me in his office and he said, son, we would like to offer you the full four years to pay for your college. What are your thoughts? I knew that that meant joining the military for four, four full years of my life. I turned it down. One of the single worst mistakes of my life, I walked away. I quit. For that matter, my senior year of college, I quit. I was 23 years old. I quit. I received a call from GM and thought, meaning General Motors, and thought I knew everything. And at 22 and a half years old, to be precise, I started making really good money, building automobiles. And I walked away from college with 10 classes to go towards my major. One year later, I hated my job. And guess what? I thought about quitting. The job that I've been at now for 28 years, I almost quit, not even two years in. A very good friend of mine, whew, boy, <laughs> this, is, this is the rough part for me. A very good friend of mine who, you know, she's like a sister to me. Uh, she is a sister to me. And I, I talk about in the show, you know, these kind of people that are in my life. She talked me off the ledge. She really did. I was going to walk away with no degree and no way in the world capable of finding a job, making good money with good benefits like the one I now had. And at this point, almost age 24, mind you. So, you know, I have to give a shout out here to Missy Morale Tater because you may not realize how important that conversation was, sister. But truly, truly, I will always remember that. Nonetheless, Despite that, I was a quitter, willing to walk away from anything and everything. And then one day, that all changed. And, you know, I talked about this in the very first episode when we talked about that little gym on the hill, if you can remember that, Joe. Yeah. And, and, you know, this was the game changer. So uh, I know this is a long story short too late. But I truly feel many people can relate to those who quit everything, even when it's something they love. For that matter, they never try things they may love, but they're afraid they will fail at. We have talked about failure in the moment having a purpose. For me, I was petrified of it until the spring of 1997. In my youth, I was part of very few teams. I mentioned all of them to you already. 
Some of my friends thought I was crazy. I was fast. I had a cannon for an arm. I did. I was athletic. Size? (laughs) I definitely could have, you know, dedicated myself to the weight room and and put on 20, 25 pounds. I know for a fact, uh, you know, that I could have been able, I would have been able to put on 20 or 25 pounds because I've added 65 pounds of muscle in the years following high school. So that was definitely something I could have done had I put my mind to it. A close buddy of mine and I, you know, and, and this is where the story gets interesting. We're lifting at a gym in our town, Sensation Fitness and Tanning. At this point, the gym was maybe three years old approximately. I had gained a lot of strength over the last few years at that point, but had no notion of moving forward with it in terms of competing in powerlifting. That all changed. Two guys were always there. Their names were Mitch Supko and Jeff Peshek. Big guys, strong guys. And one day they began playfully taunting me and they always had jokes. And and folks, all in good fun too, all in good fun. And then one day Jeff said to me, you should join us. We started competing in powerlifting. I thought this guy must be crazy. They explained to me afterward, you know, the different weight classes, and I began to understand. I thought that, you know, at first to myself, he wants me to compete with him in what seemed to be probably the 275-pound weight class. And then when I realized there were different weight classes, I threw it around and immediately thought, well, if if I don't do well, I'll just quit. Of course, that's always the way to go. That's the route. At that point, the owner of the gym, Eric Rudiak, was sponsoring us. I began to meet the other guys on the team. Some I already knew, Matt Savochko, Bob Kellish, and others I was just getting to know. Greg Tarr, Blaze Karlovic, Matt Karlovic, Donnie Newell, Gary Goodrick, Paul Vargo, Phil Rotuno, and that right there is about a third of the team. Also, my very good friend, my very close friend, uh, probably the closest friend I've had my whole life, Mr. Brian Abide. He would also join the, you know, the team and compete as well. Here's where it changed forever. We were at that damn gym five days a week, three hours a day. And I mean that. Squatting, benching, deadlifting, chains, bands, boards, and everything in between. Chalk flying everywhere, music blasting, guys throwing jabs at each other, taunting each other, pushing each other, and laughing as a bunch of brothers will do. Eric, the owner, our sponsor, and someone I knew all of my childhood going to the same school went with me to my first meet. Just he and I. It wasn't the team. I was nervous as hell. He kept me poised. I won that day. <sighs> I have to keep pausing. <laughs> <clears throat> the next several meets, I did not win. And folks, I apologize for breaking down a few times, but this is, uh, <clears throat> this is who I am, you know? That day that I won, it just, it always sticks in my head. I never won anything before. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, I, I, I didn't win the next several meets. And, and for sure, I thought I was going to quit, but I didn't. These guys kept on me. They pushed me. I remember one very well, one, one meet very well. I received a medal for fifth place. I kept it. I kept the medal, but almost threw it in the trash. Because in my head, as most people my age will tell you, there is no medal for fifth place. And, you know, it, it, actually, to this day, it's one of my favorite, 
medals, trophies, plaques that I won. You know why? It's a reminder that for the first time, even though I didn't win and I failed, I didn't quit. And that's why I still keep that medal. I came in first, second, or third the rest of the way. 33 meets or 34 meets for close to seven years. And nine of them were first place finishes, I think, nine or ten. I walked away when after the 33rd meet, I simply on the drive home told Mitch, I think I'm done. I think I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish here. I think I want to use this to do something else with my life, which is when I became a trainer and began my studies with the International Sports Sciences Association. Until this day, I am running my business, TKS Athletics. I have truly seen some trying times that should have shut me down. No way. I will not quit. I went back to college in my 30s and walked down that aisle and received the degree I started. I have to keep pausing. I apologize. I cannot explain to you how emotional the day was for me. I, I, folks, I cannot explain it. Anybody who's ever walked down that aisle with that degree in their hand, that is a moment that you remember. And for me to go back and do that after I quit was a very special moment in my life. I'll retire from GM in a couple years. I will have put my 30 years in. I could have quit when the company closed our plant and moved me four hours away from my family and my friends and all I know. But there was no way in hell. I finish what I start. It literally is the biggest reason why I didn't. People say, well, you need the money. You need the pension. I agree 100% and you have to have that in your head. But the quitting part, I'm sorry, played just as big of a role. I do not want to quit. People watch my demeanor now and how I carry myself. And I've had people before in the past on several occasions call it arrogant. Folks, I promise you this. That's not arrogance. That's confidence in knowing what I want. And that's being humbled in knowing that if I don't stay the course, I know that road and I can end up on it again. The reason I'm so hard on my children, Jacob and Jordan, you know, those, those two are, are my world. And the reason I'm so hard on them is because I fear that. I never want to hear the words I quit come out of their mouth. The reason I'm so hard on my athletes, every single one of them, is because I never want them to be 50 years old and ask that question, what if? And the reason I may be so hard and stern on all of you who listen to the journey we provide here on Two Brothers, One Mike, is because I never want you to fear failure. I don't want you to quit. Embrace it and never quit chasing the best you. It's why sometimes maybe I sound a little overbearing. The Tony from the 1970s and the 80s never would have told this story for fear he would be laughed at. The Tony today learned in 1997 and from then on, what is a great African proverb? If there is no enemy inside, the enemy outside can do you no harm. Yeah, you've said that. We've said uh, a couple times we've we've mentioned that the uh, the African proverb, um, yeah. you know, and it, it, it will always hold true. But uh, okay, so you know what? Let's just quick summary, and here it is. Tony was a quitter. No, he's not. Uh, longer summary. Yeah, <laughs> we all <laughs> we all have those moments, right, in our lives when, if given a chance, we certainly try things differently. 
maybe give a different answer or perhaps stray away from an easy excuse. The trick here is to, and I've said this before, the past is something to learn from, never to be dwelled upon. It's easy to get stuck back there, but when you do, life is just passing us by. You have to get unstuck, move on, and certainly try that extra mile before you come to the unfortunate conclusion of quitting. You know, one other thing, too, I, I, I want to just throw in here. I want to uh, throw something in after that, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, listen, for those of you who are thinking at the same time, well, you know, anything in excess is not a good thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say that what we're talking about, you know, quitting, but you're at a point where your plate is so full, you're just an anxious mess. This is something I constantly go through because I have feast and famine mentality, and it's based upon my work being feast or famine. It seems that every time I start to get one project, 20 more jump on board. And I can't say no because, I mean, it's money. And at the same time, uh, I'm wearing myself so thin that I start Mm -hmm. to, instead of being able to give that 100% everywhere, I start to give everybody their 10% or 15%. And that never works out well for a client Mm -hmm. uh, or for for me. I would like to take pride in the work that I do as well. So understand that when we're saying, you know, not being a quitter, it's different when 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 we're talking about being overwhelmed with work or overwhelmed with your with your circumstances because you have to know your limitations as well because your mental health is as important as well uh, but what tony's talking so, about here is more with regret and mm-hmm. and you know we could all uh, uh resonate with that uh again like i just said there's always you know something that if we think about we may have answered differently or uh you know made a different decision um but yes i would definitely encourage everyone to you know before you decide to throw in the towel Give it an extra, give it an extra push one more time. It can't hurt anything, uh, you know, and, and see where you go from there. Yeah. And that's, that's, that is a great disclaimer, um, that you put in there, uh, big asterisk right there on uh, what we're talking about, what we mean by quitting. Um, you know, what I wanted to do here at the end, uh, I, I feel that I need to, um, to just say something to all these guys at sensation fitness and tanning. Um, and I want to name them and, and, you know, and it's okay if the folks don't listen to this part of the show here, I'd like you to, because I'd like to, I'd like people to, you know, listen all the way to the end, but, but I want to do this because it is extremely important to me. So when you're out there, you know, and hopefully you're all listening to the show, Matt Savochko and Bob Kellish, Mitch Zupko, Greg Tarr, Blaze and Matt Karlovic, Donnie Newell, Gary Goodrick, Paul Vargo, Phil Rotuno, the Prosy brothers, Paul and Scott. And there's several other people, you know, my good friend, Mr. Brian Abide, all the guys from the gym uh, that were great motivators and great, you know, they, they really pushed us. Mr. Brian Ivory, uh, Mr. Chad Cleland, you know, and there was so many other guys, Andre Morgan. And um, uh, boy, we there was there's a couple other guys and I know I'm missing some people and I'm missing Jason, some names. Jason Sontag. Yeah, Jason Sontag. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Jason Sontag from Struthers. And uh, Junior Frangus and uh, Justin Hefner. Um, it, it, there's, there's all, all you guys. I, w- I want to say this to you, okay? Uh, I left two guys out for a reason. Um, I want to say this to you guys. Uh, you have no idea how you changed my life. I never really said it to you guys. I never really 
had the opportunity to. I didn't, you know, I was still coming into my own and I wasn't confident enough. And, you know, I, I, I was, I was afraid, you know, that you guys would look at me like, you know what? Okay. But you, you have no idea the importance you played in my life in the journey that I would now be on uh, with the confidence that I now exude because it was you guys that made me feel like how awesome it could be to be part of something special. And that was some, something that was beyond special to me. Uh, when we put those sweatsuits on, you know, the sensation fitness and tanning black and gold, and we went into a meet, I could tell you guys that was something more special than you could possibly know. And I want to thank each and every one of you for the way you pushed me in the gym, the way you pushed me at the meet. And uh, last but not least, to two gentlemen who were huge in creating the Tony that people know today, the Tony Sarge, the coach Tony that people know today, Mr. Jeff Peshek, the, the late Jeff Peshek, and the late Eric Rudiak, uh, gone way too soon in life, and their memory is eternal. Uh, to their families, I tell you, um, I can't thank either one of them gentlemen enough. Uh, the gratitude I have is amazing. And it was something that I felt, Joe, that I needed to to say uh, at the end of the show today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I completely understand. Um, okay, so on that note, let's get into what next week's show is going to be about. It's volume and intensity, and that's an inverse relationship. Uh, we'll get more into what that means, but perhaps okay. you can give a bit more here, T, since I know we talked about it in a previous episode. I want to say it was like foundational building or maybe it was the overtraining effect. Our fine listeners are just going to have to go and listen you know, to those episodes and find out for themselves. But just a quick example of the difference between volume and intensity and what inverse relationship actually means maybe. Sure, sure. I could do that real quick. And, and, and obviously, we'll really dive deeper into it next week. But uh, so the volume and intensity, the inverse relationship, what that actually means is they're exact opposites. So when one is going up, the other is going down. Okay, and so let me give it a quick example of that um, volume, meaning uh, basically how many reps you're doing. Just just this is just an example. There's other types of volume, but I'm just giving a quick example. Um, volume is uh, let's say let's give dumbbell curls as the example here uh, and we'll call it we'll call it a day. Uh, if you are doing dumbbell curls with 20 pound dumbbells, mm-hmm. the intensity, OK, is going to be the 20 pounds. The, the volume is going to be. Yeah, the amount of weight and the volume is going to be how many reps. So if you're doing 10 reps with 20 pounds and it's an inverse relationship, when you go to your next set and you increase the intensity, the amount of weight to, let's say, 30 pounds, you're going to decrease the volume. So you go to eight reps. Right. And then you may go into another set where you go to the 40 pound dumbbells, intensity increases, volume decreases, six reps. So and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about that relationship. Th- th- that's an example of strip sets, isn't it? Uh, you, you can use strip sets as an example there. But, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll get into a lot more than just that. But yes, sure, sure. OK, well, until next week, I want to remind all of you, be sure to give us a review on your favorite podcast service. Also. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or opinions, we say this every week. I'll say it every week from here on out. You can leave us a voice message via the link in this episode's description. And finally, remember to join us each week as we release new episodes every Wednesday morning, 9 a.m., and that's Eastern Standard Time. Now, on behalf of Coach Tony and myself, thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to me today. I appreciate it. And, you know, you know what I want to say. Be the best you. Don't quit. <laughs>